Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Good morning. My name is uh, Mark McPherson. I'm the student minister here at our Louisville campus. Uh, If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We're continuing in our sermon series, Ecclesiastes, from from vanity to purpose. And, uh, you know, I was at Chipotle the other day and got a receipt and said, you know, at the top, as real as it gets. And that's truly the book of Ecclesiastes. It's it's as real as it gets. And we're going to continue to dive into it, right? We're going to pick up right where we left off last week. And so I'm going to read from Ecclesiastes chapter 1 starting in verses 12 and then going to verse 18. But then I'm going to jump into this train of thought that he has starting in uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 12 to verse 17. So God's word says this in chapter 1, starting in verse 12. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I've seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and is striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart had a great experience of wisdom and great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this is also but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has been done already. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, and there is, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this is also vanity. For of the wise, as of the fool, there is no endurance, enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies like the fool. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and the striving after wind. This is God's word. And the sermon title today is A New Perspective. Uh, it's a very bleak text, almost like our weather this morning. And, and last week what we saw was this, this great overview of the world in light of Ecclesiastes, the world devoted of God, is this long cycles of, of nature that really led to nothing, that life without God, life under the sun is really just an emptiness. There's a, there's a void there. And the preacher was going big picture, 30,000 feet, that our world has no purpose without God. And this week, what he's doing is he's zooming in to life through these specific individual projects. And so he's looking at wisdom. And I really want to look at just wisdom today, although he's going to look at pleasure. He's going to look at work, but he's, he's treating life looking through the life, uh, what life's meaning is, is through wisdom. And what he's going to come to is that it's all vanity. It's all meaningless. And so we see in verse 12 at the very beginning, he says, I, the preacher, have uh, been king over Israel in Jerusalem. And so 
uh, scholars and, and theologians, uh, people who write commentaries, believe this is Solomon, uh, and that all of his, his, his rule and his reign w was very, very successful, very wealthy, so he had the means. He had the means, he had the time, he had the resources to really devote part of his life to seeking out the world and seeking out his wisdom and trying to understand the world. And he quickly comes to the realization that it's all a striving after win. So as he examines everything under the sun, he finds out that it's pointless. It, it reminds me of like the burden of knowledge, to know too much. Uh, to me, that always brings me back to Pinky in the Brain. I don't know if y'all know Pinky in the Brain. It's a cartoon in the 90s where uh, it was made by Steven Spielberg. And there was these two rats, uh, these lab rats. And uh, one had his brain shrunk, and that was Pinky. And Pinky was an idiot. And then there was Brain, whose brain got huge. And, and he was a genius. And every night he's at the blackboard doing equations. And it's a cartoon, so they can draw him in with people like Pavlov and Einstein. And uh, he's this amazing genius of a lab rat. And every night the show starts and Pinky says, what are we going to do tonight, Brain? And Brain says the same thing we do every night, Pinky, trying to take over the world. And that was Brain's, his whole thing. He wanted to rule the world and he never wanted to be a dictator. He never wanted to rule it from a place of uh, a domineering of, of I, I'm ruling this country or ruling the world. But his genius led him to believe like the world has to be a better place. It has to be better than this. All that I know, the world has to be better than what I'm seeing. And it, and it can be fixed. And, and, and I got to fix this stuff. And every night they do some kind of weird adventure. And they try to uh, make the world a better place. And they always failed. And I'm wondering for us, have we applied our hearts by our own wisdom to seek and understand this world? To understand it fully. To really wrap our brains around reality. And if you have, if you say that you have, have you come back empty? Have you come back with no answers that last? As the preacher is looking through life, through wisdom, he uses these witty phrases that I really want to just dive into uh, to describe life without meaning. Life without God is, is that unhappy business. And then he says that it's better to have eyes in your head and as we look at Ecclesiastes in the whole of the Bible, the phrase uh, that we really need to learn is how to be wise unto salvation. What is our wisdom for? It's to be wise unto salvation. But first, there's, a, there's an unhappy business in chapter 1. There's a burden for us in chapter 1. And so it says this in verse 13, I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. Have you spent time in solitude and thought about how the world works? Like, have you really taken time to understand reality, what's going on, like big picture? What is the world? Why does it exist? Why are we here? Have you seen what's happening in, in existence, that there's people before you, there's going to be people after you? Have you searched by your own wisdom? Have you been collecting knowledge, trying to apply it properly in your life to see that if, there, if you'd make some lasting change or you might be remembered? Or are you really thinking through these things? Because Solomon is thinking through these things. He's, he's searching all things under heaven and he sees uh, that all of this is vanity. In verse 14, he says, I've seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, it's all vanity and striving after wind. It is all vanity. It's, it's meaningless. 
It's all us striving after wind, that our life is like smoke that we're trying to grab and get a hold of, but we can't. It's all meaningless. All this life is a chase. It's an endless chase going nowhere. It's like if you were to run on a, on a treadmill in your garage, hoping you end up in Hawaii. Or if, if, you're, if you've seen me on my own, I, I'm a, I like to shadow box. I sit there, I throw my hands like I'm in a title fight, but I'm, I'm never going to fight anybody. There's no, there's no title fight for me. It's all just vanity. I'm, I'm literally striking the wind. It, it's a fight that's never going to happen. It's all just pointless. It's all just pointless motion. And that's what Solomon is saying about our lives, that it's all vanity. And as he's understanding the world, as he's trying to wrap his mind around what we are here to do and what's existence and what is this world, he comes to this heart-filled statement in verse 15. The heart of his understanding has led him here. What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. His wisdom has led him to see the curse of the fall, the brokenness, the wickedness in our world. That comes from Genesis. He's truly seeing what sin has brought into this world, a crookedness and a bentness. As God is speaking to Adam, he says, You've eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, until dust you shall return. This is the curse this is what sin has done to our world. This is ultimately the cause and the effect of all of our brokenness is right here that we see that our relationships are cursed, that there's a brokenness to it, that our work is, is not fruitful and we put in all these hours and we won't be remembered. It, it, it's thorns and thistles. It's the sweat of our face. That, that, that there's some kind of brokenness to this world and ultimately re it results in death that we're going to return to the dust that we are. And through his understanding, he's seeing this, and he comes to this point. After he's applied this wisdom to his heart, in verses 16 and 17, I applied this to my heart to know wisdom. I'm applying this, and as he applies it, he comes to this in verse 18. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. The more you know, about this world. The more you can see it, the more sorrow, the more vexation, the more annoyance, the more uh, groaning that this world is broken and it can be better. There's more of it. There used to be a public service announcements uh, called the more you know, and they get a celebrity to come and, and say, you know, the more you know, big star at the end. And then it'd be like Will Smith and he'd say something like, you know, uh, Teachers do a wonderful job in our community, which they do. But they see, he'd say, like, you know, teachers don't only answer questions like two plus two is four, but, you know, what do I, what do, I do when my dad's abusive? Or how come I can't afford lunch? And these, these PSAs, the more you know, started enlightening us to the vexation, the sorrow in our world. And I'm pretty sure that's why celebrities don't do it anymore. Because the more you know, the more broken you see the world. You know, I was um, with my family, and we were sitting, and we were watching the news, and uh, uh, my, my fiancé's stepbrother is watching the news, and he goes, this is just hard just to watch the news. 
And he says, don't, how come we never see this on the news? Good man does good deed. We don't see that. What we see is the vexation. What we see is the brokenness. What we see is the wickedness. And every time we see it, you can't unsee it. It sticks with you. You see it. It stays with you. There's a vexation. So I used to be a, a wrestling coach for a, a long time. So every year you get these new group of kids. They come into wrestling. And, uh, you know, wrestling's a violent sport. So all these kids are, ooh, wrestling, having so much fun. And they would be. And we tell them, hey, whatever you do, make sure you protect your neck. Because some kid is going to try to squeeze your, squeeze your neck and pop your head off. Like he's trying to get you. So whatever you do, protect your neck and don't reach back. Because if you reach back, your neck's exposed. And so we tell them every, we tell them, you know, the first couple of weeks of practice, do whatever you do, just don't reach back. Don't reach back while you're wrestling. And then it's the first tournament of the year. And they got those little tights on. And then they start, they go up to the mat. And then all that adrenaline's pumping. And they're, they're wrestling some kid from some school. And they don't even know him. And then all of a sudden, they're on the ground. And they're going, what's going on? And then instinct, they, they reach back. And they just get their heads popped off. These people are strangling these kids. And then I got to deal with dads. And the dads, what are you teaching my kid? Why come my boy does this? And every year you think, as a, as I was growing as a coach, I think like every year, you know, like this will get better. Like we'll solve this problem. And then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a great program. No, every year it was vexation. Every year it's tough. Every year we see kids break. And every year, the more I know going into it, the more vexation, the more sorrow, even in the thing I love, even in my work, it's broken. And, and the more you know, the more you search, the more you feel the vexation. And the more that we search for a purpose in our life, and we try to answer the big questions of our world, the more you're going to feel the brokenness and the sorrow of it. The more you increase the knowledge the more you search and it becomes an unhappy business. And then as the preacher continues this train of thought in chapter 2, he makes a witty phrase of, of having eyes in his head. That it's better to have eyes in your head. Because wisdom can't be all that bad. Like it can't be. Right? That makes sense. Like wisdom can't be bad. That makes a lot of sense. And so as Solomon is really looking at life through wisdom, as we skip through this chunk in chapter 2, in chapter 2 he takes on another purpose of trying to find purpose in pleasure and living merry and doing what he wants or trying to build a legacy that will last. And what he finds out is that is also vanity. And then we're going to see that he continues to work hard. Maybe if I just work hard, maybe the meaning of life is founding in working hard, but that is also vanity. And what we see is that Either way, if you're you trying to live for pleasure or if you're trying to live by just working hard, that's vanity. That truly what it is is putting your head in the sand, not to have yourself challenged by the realities of the world, to not to listen to wisdom. It's to hide. It's to, it's to put your head in the sand and get away from, from what wisdom is trying to confront you with. Wisdom is a good thing. Look at verses 13 and 14. Then I saw that there's more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceived the same thing happens to them all. And what he's really saying is that it, it, it's good to know wisdom. It's better. It's like walking in light compared to darkness. It's good to have wisdom in your work. 
It's good to know when to say the right things at the right time. That's all wisdom is, is, is truth applied rightly, right? And so it's good to have that at work. It's good to have that in your family. When do I bring up this topic? When do I, when do I say the right things here? It's good to have wisdom. It's good to have wisdom in life. It's like having eyes in your head. That's a good thing. My dad used to say he has eyes in the back of his head. I don't know what that means, but, you know, I don't think that's the same as this. But it's good to have wisdom. And the more our eyes are open to that wisdom, the more more we have eyes on our head to see truth and apply it rightly, devoid of God, without God, applying wisdom on our own merits, by our own minds and our own understanding, what will happen is that wisdom will rear its ugly head. Without Christ, wisdom will come back to the statements here in verses 15. You will come to this conclusion that I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart, this is also vanity. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten how the wise dies just like the fool. Wisdom on your own understanding, depart from God, is going to lead us all to the same place, back to the dust that we return. There's a meme I like. You know, memes, you know, photo with the words on it, right? There's a meme, right? It's all these skeletons. So the first skeleton's there, and it just says white. And there's another skeleton underneath it. It just says black. And there's another skeleton underneath it. It says gay. And there's another skeleton underneath it. It says straight. And then there's another skeleton, and underneath it, it says religious. And then there's another skeleton with one leg. It says pirate. And what that meme is all saying is that everything is returning to the grave. That it doesn't matter, doesn't matter how you live because we're all bones. We're all dust that we're all returning to. And that should be something that humbles us. That the fool dies just as the wise. And that we're all returning to the same place. And if that is truth, if that's the truth devoid from God, then verse 17 is the rightful conclusion. If this is the truth devoid from God, verse 17 is the rightful conclusion. Verse 17 says, So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me for all is vanity and a striving after wind. I hated life. Life without God leads to this conclusion. To apply wisdom and knowledge and all understanding by our own hearts without God will lead us to this point that we all end up in the same place. That wisdom is ultimately pointless and you'll hate life. My mom likes the counting crows and, and they have this song um, that says this so poetically. He says, And the person you're disappearing into, it's like one plus one equals nothing at all. And that person you're disappearing into, that that who you were five days ago and who you are now and who you're going to be in five minutes is always changing, that your life is really just a smoke and a vapor and you can't really hold on to anything and it's just fading into the next person. It's just disappearing into the next. And then as you try to understand the world, as you try to pile knowledge, as you try to soak up wisdom and apply it rightly, that everything you see in this life is that one plus one, it really equals nothing at all. That things don't add up. That nothing really means nothing. Nothing means anything. It, it, it means that, that there's a brokenness and there's a bentness and there's a crookedness and I can't make sense of it and everything's pointless. Pointless. 
that's the right logical conclusion. To deal with the brokenness and to have no purpose with it is meaningless. To have the brokenness in our relationships and in our families. We all have brokenness in our relationships and our families. Some of you guys might say, I'm in a dysfunctional family. No, no, no. You're in a family. Just family. Everybody's in a broken family. We are all in relationships that are crooked, bent. Even our closest, even our deepest, are still have a crookedness and a bent to them. Our work isn't fruitful. We put in all these hours, all this time with no longing remembrance. All the sweat of our face, all the thorns and thistles. Now work isn't fruitful. My father taught me three things. Well, he used to say three things that I remember. He would say, I'll give you something to cry about. He said, because I said so. And then he said, life isn't fair. And life isn't fair stuck with me the most. Because I needed that truth when he wasn't there. It's truth. Life isn't fair. And we see that when people that we love, people that we think are good people suffer. I felt that when my mom had cancer. And we see when people we determine are bad or evil or whatever you might say about them, they prosper and they're rich and they live long lives. We see the bentness. We experience the crookedness. Are you wise to it? Have you opened the eyes of your heart? Have you opened your eyes to see the wisdom of this world? That sin has so twisted our world. And the more that you learn, and the more that you dive into solving it on your own, the more it will be vexation and broken. The more you will realize. God is, God is saying wisdom is not ultimately a bad thing. That wisdom is given to us as a gift to be wise unto salvation. Because nowadays we have answers for everything. We have answers for every kind of, uh, of question that can be thrown our way. We have ways that we can dig online and we can represent ourselves. We have our special news source. We have our special this or that to give us the right answers. We have all kinds of wisdom that we can peek into, whether it be our cell phone. Half of our questions Siri can answer by herself. But none of us have an answer for death. My mom used to always say, don't talk about religion or politics. But truly what I've learned is that you don't talk about death. Death is the last thing that is taboo. That you can't make light of. There's nothing to joke about. It's our last taboo subject. And to be wise unto salvation is to see that Jesus came from heaven to earth to address death itself. That the wages of sin is death. What we get from the curse is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus comes and stands on the pathway of wickedness and he's the fork in the road that divides the road, that there is worldly wisdom and you can stack worldly wisdom and understand everything in this world. You can have a big brain and you can really, really stack knowledge and wisdom and apply it rightly, but at the end, it leads to death. And then there's godly wisdom. And godly wisdom leads to life eternal. 
if you like the preacher today, if you see the brokenness, if you can experience it, if you know it, if you're wise to its crookedness, if you have eyes in your head and you see the brokenness in our world, in our relationships and in our work, I ask you, are you wise unto salvation? Are you wise unto salvation? 2 Timothy 3.3.15 says, You have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That God has given us his word that we can take truth and apply it to our lives. That we can be wise unto salvation through faith in Christ and Christ alone. That our knowledge is to be soaked here. That we can actually apply our hearts to this truth. And we can see a life with meaning and purpose in the resurrection and the death of Christ. That Christ's death and resurrection has changed everything. It's open godly wisdom, giving us meaning that the means for redemption is that Jesus would come and take the curse for us. That God himself will leave heaven and put on human flesh and live a perfect and holy and righteous life. And death could not hold him. He laid down his life willingly. That he would take the curse for us. Curse is the one who's hung from the tree. He took the curse and the bent and the wickedness and all the wrath that is deserved for it. For us. That through him and his resurrection. We'd be promised the Holy Spirit. That as we put our faith in, in Christ. As we put our faith in Christ. He moves in. Redeeming our hearts, clothing us in his very righteousness, his perfect life, that we be sons or daughters in the kingdom. Putting us into his plan of redemption. Giving us purpose. He's always on mission to make straight our bentness and our crookedness. And he wants to start with our hearts. And he wants to send us on mission to be salt and light. As we trust in Christ, lean not on our own understanding, but trust in him. He'll make our paths straight. Ultimately, he's making all things new. He's making a new heavens and a new earth where there is no sorrow and there is no pain. And he longs to bring heaven down. And he invites us into this mission through faith in Christ and him alone, through his gospel, which looks foolish to the world. 1 Corinthians 1.21 says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased, though, the folly of what was preached to save those who believe. The wisdom of the world does not understand God or his gospel, but he's pleased He's pleased in the sacrifice of Christ that we be sons and daughters. He's pleased in the foolishness of letting a young man like me be broken yet preach from his word and be redeemed. He's, he's pleased when we go out into the world and we are salt and light. 
that we preach as we live, we preach and we speak the gospels who are our spheres of influence, our worlds that are, are our own worlds that are broken and bent, that God wants to make paths straight there, that all who believe, who all who hear this gospel, who could be saved. God is pleased to use the foolishness of this world to bring people into paths that are straight, to redeem. If you're seeking how this world works, if you're searching, if you're wondering if anything really means anything at all, if you're really diving down that rabbit hole, I implore you to trust in Christ. In him, through his death and his resurrection, everything becomes everything. Everything means everything. You've been redeemed, brought to an eternal hope. Holy Spirit living inside of you that empowers you, that every conversation, every interaction that you have, every time you deal with a person at 7-Eleven, all of those things have meaning and purpose. Pointing people to Christ. Through how you preach, how you're friends with people. How you walk. God longs to give us purpose. That be wise unto the Salvation that would give us purpose and meaning and be able to see our lives through the very lens of Christ. We would see our lives through his death and through his resurrection. And if you're in Christ this morning, if you're a brother and sister in Christ and you can't understand the suffering, if you can't understand the sorrow that's going on in this world or in your world, in your life, if you can't understand it, I beg you, I, I implore you to go and look at the life of Christ and his sufferings. He sympathizes with us. He meets us there. He grows us closer to, a, to, to him there in our sufferings. Trust not in your own understanding, but lean on Christ. Through your sufferings, it will grow you closer to him. Make you more in his image. Trust him that he has you right where he wants you. That's where you grow. Trust him through your sufferings. Put your hope where it belongs. In the eternal. In the resurrection. Not on the things of this earth. Suffer. And look foolish doing it. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. We tell the students, big brain. Big brain. What big brain, you know, you got kids and they're going, yeah, I'm in summer school. Big brain. And big brain doesn't mean study harder. You should study harder, you know, summer school. But big brain means... If you're there, if it's killing you, if you're suffering, big brain, search the scripture. Search the life of Christ. Search the suffering. Search the new heavens and the new earth. Dig into truth. Read his scriptures. It's to make you wise unto salvation. Bring that knowledge into your head. Let it really soak in. Let that wisdom soak in. Big brain. We pray that that knowledge would drop and give kids big hearts. That you'd see that maybe you could reach somebody at summer school. Maybe you are there just to be humbled, and that's a good gift from God. 
big brain is to take the truth and to apply it. Apply it to our lives. Sometimes you put a whole bunch of coins in the vending machine and it don't say anything. And then you hit that thing and then it, you're rich. You got a whole bunch of coins in there. And we are to search the scriptures. We are, so, we are to search the, the life of Christ and pray the Holy Spirit just gives us a nudge that we be rich in Christ. We can rest in his gospel and swim in the riches. I'd rather trust in Christ and look like Pinky to the world than to lean on my own understanding and look like brain and try to fix something that I can't. God is calling us to use wisdom to search into who he is, his character, his nature, his saving grace, that through it we can get lost in his grace, look foolish to the world, trust him through all things. In him are the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I pray we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Let's pray. Father, God, I thank you for today. God, thank you for this day that you've made. God, I pray that we trust you. I pray your spirit would come and show us what Christ has done for us, his truth. I pray that we would soak in that knowledge, God. I pray it would drop to our hearts. Make us people who long to search your scriptures and overflow our hearts with your presence that we be transformed. Spirit, I pray that as we come and sit under your word, people would have their eyes opened to the gospel, to Christ and what he came to do. I pray that you'd open the eyes of the blind and liberate the captives. God, help us trust you through our suffering and through all things. That even in our suffering, we can show the light of Christ. Help us walk in light. Make straight our paths. Restore us for your namesake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.